Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Morbid early and ad-free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or even something new to discover. They offer an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, thrillers, which I'm super into lately, motivation, wellness, business, and even more. Audible's the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations to habituate every type of thriller listener. Keep your heart rate up month after month with this pulse-pounding collection that you can't hear anywhere else. I actually just finished listening to, it's one of my favorite stories, but listening to it was even cooler. It was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. It's narrated by Bernadette Dunn, and I think they just have one of the best voices for an audiobook. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500. That's audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash morbid. Hey guys, I have to tell you about this all-in-one shake that I'm freaking loving. It's called Kachava. I love saying it. It's actually hands down the best thing that I've found to help me get all my essential nutrients into one day. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, in other words, literally everything that your body craves to feel your best. And I know what you're thinking. Something that good for me cannot possibly taste good. Mm, wrong. That's where Kachava really earns their over 52,000 five-star reviews. It actually tastes freaking amazing. It's very creamy and smooth, and it comes together with just water. And it comes in five delicious flavors. Personally, vanilla and chai are my personal favorites, but it also comes in chocolate, matcha, and coconut acai, which I still need to try. Some people like to drink it as part of a healthy breakfast or lunch, and other people love it as a protein-packed snack before or after a workout. It's really perfect for that because it has 25 grams of plant protein per serving. Personally, I like to add mine to my overnight oats. I add a scoop and I mix it all up to get a little more protein into my oats, and literally I can have that for breakfast and feel satiated, nourished, beautiful, functioning, all throughout my day. It's incredible. Please send me more of it because I love it so much. It makes me feel very, very good. And guess what, guys? Kachava is offering our listeners 10% off for a limited time. Just go to kachava.com slash morbid, spelled K-A-C-H-A-V-A, and get 10% off your first order. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash morbid. Hey, weirdos, I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. And this is Morbid Under UFO Attack. Yeah! I'm officially, I, I've had it up to here. I don't want this. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to get married and have a couple babies. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't they, need this. You know, what, what's going to, what's funny is like, by the time this comes out, who knows how many more are going to be shot out of the sky because like, that's the trouble with like the, the week ahead thing is like, I we're, know. we're kind of off the current events a little bit, but you know. We're getting there. We're catching up. Yeah. So who knows? By the time this comes out, we we could be under full alien attack. And that's interesting. (laughs) They call that a deep breath where I'm from. Yeah. You don't know. No, I have active anxiety about this at this point. We don't know. None of us know. Like, why are they flying where where the planes go? Just in our airspace. Yeah. Color me. Um, still afraid of flying because color now you, you even more afraid. A new fear has been unlocked that there is now UFOs in the way of planes. Do you think maybe they're just gonna come get the good ones of us that are like you know give back to humanity and spread Christmas cheer for all to hear? Like and, yeah. and then they can say like, come to a planet Guambo. And yeah, I mean, I'm because you're kind. Let's and go. You smell good. Let's go to Planet Guambo. I'll go. Let's go there. I'll do most things. <laughs> I'll do most things. I won't do most things, but I will. Um, I'll do a lot of things. I'll tell you stories. Mm. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Tales. I think I am an alien. So yeah, I think maybe you are too. Just, so maybe Mama's coming to get me. I think it's. I think that's great. That's um, called a coping skill, right there. I, what I, I did. do think it's funny that like if we had one of those boards that was like. This planet has gone how many days without shooting down a UFO? We would keep having to erase that number this weekend. Yeah. We we could not hit. We could not hit that zero. Why? Couldn't do it. We were always at one, and we still are at one. I don't like that. It's it it's not fair to me. It's 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 that some people know what's up, but yeah. they won't let us know. Yeah, like somebody knows what's what's going on. Somebody knows. Oh, what, a, a few people know. A what's couple going people, on. and yeah. I just think that I want to know too because secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt, hurt someone. someone, and possibly I'm hurt, a whole planet, possibly all of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And there's I don't been know like a lot on. of earthquakes lately. There's been like a lot of scary it's tsunamis. We that was a joke. You know, tsunamis in California. Back. You know, uh, that was a callback in case you were wondering. A callback, so calling back to that time. I'm so scared. I'm not. I'm just like, you know what? You're not scared. No, everything sucks here. Like yeah. we we don't deserve any of this. No, but not everything. So, like I love my well. Oh, I, I, love, I like my life. I a love lot. my little bubble. Yeah. So like I I want that to stay. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm like there are days when I'm like. You know what? It's about time for that asteroid. No, 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 no. I don't like it when you say that seriously. I really don't. I say it a lot, too. She says it so yeah. much. I don't want to be away from Drew. That's oh, literally that. like my big... No, like, I'm, I'm actually going to cry right now. Samesies. But like, we'll, we're good. It's, if it's, if it's, Are if it's, we? If it's an UFO invasion, we'll take it one day at a time. You know, that's all you can do. Why future trip? We don't know these. Why future trip? We don't know these people, these things. I know. They could come down here and just be like... Ugh. We're here to Marie Kondo, this planet of yours. We're going to spark joy. I mean. We don't, like, you guys suck. You're all fucking miserable. Like, I think that's part of the problem. We are collectively right now fucking miserable. Yeah. We're all just angry, nasty little shitheads being nasty to each other. I'm not saying everybody, you know what I mean. But like, But, like, as a population here, 
I think the pandemic really shot that off that proved that we cannot handle even that kind of inconvenience. And it's like, I think maybe they'll come down and they'll be like, okay, it's time to tidy up. It's a loud airplane going by. That is a loud airplane. And I apologize for that. Just breathe. But it's an airplane. It's not a UFO, so it's good. I didn't see it. It's identified. I didn't see it. Sounds like an airplane. I'm going to go with airplane. I'm not going to stress. I'm going to stress. I'm not going to stress here. The here's a theory, I'm going to take it one day at a time. Here's, I'm going to appreciate every second I have. Here's a theory. Oh, yeah. appreciate all those seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Um, here's a theory. I got a theory. Watch the rewatcher. That's a Buffy reference, by the way. (laughs) We're not there yet. I was like, I don't know. I might not have time. I have to plug this, okay? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Um, What if it's happy and it's ourselves on that other plane? Because, like, you know you're not just here. Like, you definitely exist somewhere else. What if it's our someone else's coming to gather those of us that need to get the fuck out of here? I love that theory. You know? And you know what? That's an absolutely valid theory because we have no fucking clue what's going on. So that is a valid theory. I need to go back to therapy. I think I think it's fine. Okay. I'm just blissfully ignorant right now. I'm oh. like, you know what? No, I don't know what those things are. Do I want to know? Yeah, I do. I mean, realistically. But like at this point, I'm like, I'm just going to go about my day, I this guess. This has been going on for like decades. Like there's always been like oh, UFO yeah. sightings and stuff like that. It's really amping up right now, though. Yeah. I mean, like it feels like it, it might be uh, slightly thicker, the uh, the air well, right now. Case. Have but they ever been that low in our flying space before? Like ever? Or is that, that I unprecedented? Don't know. I do not know. But I wish we had an expert here today. I wish we did. Maybe we should just get an expert UFO. Ologist on I don't. Here. I, I think that's only an alien. No, that's like a thing. I think. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that Henry from last podcast on the left is a new ufologist. Henry. So <laughs> what the fuck is going on, Henry? So maybe Henry can tell us Imagine what's going if they on. Listened, Henry. If you listen, that would be sick. I don't, I don't think, think you do. do. No. But if I, you I did, think at this point we, we would probably know. That. It would be sick if you did, and you are welcome to come on and talk to us about ufo- ufology. Because I have actual genuine <clears throat> anxiety. I, it's actually like we should move on because you know I'm what? actually feeling my chest. Yeah, and tight. you know what? Um, we're let's try to get Henry on here. That'll <sighs> okay. be our next move is to get Henry, and we'll talk about ufos. Um, but true crime. Oh, oh before we yeah. go to true crime, actually, sorry, oh, something else. Um, you know, we've been having, there's been all these people that have been messaging being like, I, thanks for the, all the content. Like, are you guys okay though? No, <laughs> like, no, I'm not. And we are, we're okay. There's been a oh, lot of personal stuff that have that. been going on and like, so yeah, we're going with that. <laughs> um, but there's been some like personal, like sad things that have happened. Yeah, yeah. We're okay though. Don't yeah. worry. We're totally fine. We're just like, <gasps> the kids are all right. The kids right. are all right. We're just, you know, people be people in. So that's just like how we are. But you know what? I woke up this morning and I said, huh, huh, I feel good. Like, I feel like that nasty cloud is trailing behind me now. Like, I feel like January and like part of February, I was like, get the fuck out of here. And it did. It was like, all right, bye. (laughs) And it left. And now I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? No one shot down an UFO today. No one's seen one as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned. There you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Ash was just leaning towards the microphone to say, <laughs> like, that, that we, we know, know of. <laughs> but then 
just when I was like, you know, and I was like, okay, like we're going okay. But then it got ratcheted up a notch because Ghost is coming back to the United States this year and I am so excited. She's shitting a dick. <laughs> shitting a whole dick. Shitting a dick. We need to get Tobias back on the pod to talk about all the things. Because <laughs> that was the most. You're a cuckoo just bird. everywhere conversation everywhere ever. And I want to yeah, have it again. It really was. I want to have it again. So we got to do that. But guys, I'm so excited. And all my all my ghost people that have reached out since this whole like obsession has started. Mm -hmm. I know you feel me right now. We're all excited. So that was an exciting thing. And I felt like it was it kicked off a good a good day. It really did. I'm feeling good about it. It really did. I agree with you. But today, even though it's a good day, it's no UFO, all ghost day that we know of. I'm going to take you down, a pile. down, down, down. You usually do. Yeah, and this is um, well, when it comes to episodes. Yeah, you you usually, you usually do. do take me down take a little path. just down, and this is gonna be a two pata kid. Oh, two pata. It's a, it's a big case. I want to give you time to digest the beginning before I give you the the crazy conclusion. Okie dokie. So today we're gonna be talking about Harvey Glattman. Oh, who is known as the Glamour Girl Slayer. Mm -hmm. I know him. Yeah, I know him. You, I've, I've seen him. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately. If you look up this case online, I just want to put it out to you. There are crime scene photos, so I just want to give you a little warning that if you're like Harvey Glattman and then you just go to images, you're going to see at least like that they're disturbing in a different way. Okay. Um, because his photos, he would take photos of them like before, during, after. Yeah, So yeah, yeah. there's some... There's some very strange ones. I just wanted to warn you guys just in case. That's Because nice I know I like to look up pictures while I listen to something. As we all do. But not like those be. pictures. Yes. Yeah. So Harvey Glattman, like I said, the glamour girl slayer. He was known to be active in Los Angeles from the summer of 1957 to 1958. Mm, not long. But in that time, he caused an unimaginable amount of damage. Uh, he kidnapped and murdered women and then dumped their bodies in the L.A. desert. And he was only caught when a would-be murder victim named Lorraine Vigil managed to escape his car. I said escaped. I'm not really sure why. Escape his car. Oh, okay. And run to a nearby police patrol unit for help. Damn. Yeah. So Glattman had a long history of really disturbing behavior, even in childhood. Uh, and I'm going to go through all that. Don't worry. But having committed his crimes before, you know, the FBI's behavioral science unit really became a thing. And at the time, there was really no one who was understanding or really studying serial killers and their psychology. At the time, he really didn't get a nickname. Uh, he got a nickname, but it wasn't for what he was doing at the time. And while he was active, he wasn't even really like a big name in the press, which is concerning. Yeah, that's actually kind of crazy. It's like the 50s of it all. You know, they were like, no, just make bread yeah. and serve your husband and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, well, I had to take a sip of water. Um What's interesting about this case is that even in the mid to late 2000s, detectives discovered new Glattman victims in his home state of Colorado. And a supposed victim, once believed to be dead, was found to be alive and well in Australia. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's going to be in part two. Oh, okay. But don't worry. I'm going to lead all the way up there. So this is a crazy case. So let's talk about Harvey Glattman as a child because, my goodness, there were signs. Yeah. So Harvey Glattman was born in the Bronx, New York, on December 10th, 1927. What is he? A Sagittarius? September what? 10th. September 10th? Um, That's me and Drew's anniversary. Look at that. Sagittarius? No. Hold on a second. 
I think that's Libra. I no, that, no, that's was right before Capricorn. Um, Sagittarius is like December. Yeah, you, December 10th. Oh, I thought you said September. No, I was like, that's why I was like, I'm fairly certain it's a Sagittarius. Yes, that is Sagittarius. <laughs> All right, it is. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> I was like, I, I think it is. <laughs> also, that's not me and Drew's anniversary. September I didn't think is. it was. I was no. very confused. I was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? No, well, because that was funny because I said September 10th and she said, yeah. So you, mis- I misheard you and yeah. then you misheard me See, and we then we misheard each other. We just fucked each other up. We did. But I think you're right. I think that's Sag. Yeah, I think so. She asked um, son. But Harvey so was born Sag. to Albert and Ophelia Gladman. Mm. I love the name Ophelia. I do too. So cute. Uh, the couple had met two years earlier when they were working together at the Instructo Mil- Millinery Supply. I like that. Instructo. Um, Instructo. They were married like pretty quickly after they started dating. And a year after they were married, Albert used all of their savings to open a small stationery store. Uh oh. This of it? was a pretty big financial risk at yeah. the time, especially as they were growing their family too. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Now, in the early years of his life, Ophelia, his mom, referred to her son as, quote, apparently a healthy, normal child. I love the apparently here. I know. He was apparently pretty healthy. Like, I don't know. Apparently. <laughs> like, you were in charge of that. So, like, the apparently before all of that is a little concerning. Maybe she means, like, he appeared to be, but what lurked beneath the yeah, surface. Yeah, apparently. But then Ophelia herself began noticing Harvey engaging in instances of strange behavior she would refer to oh, it oh god i'm so scared of this like and, I, I can't wait to have kids yeah but like if they're doing some some fuck shit like this this was very early too very early strange behavior How so old? it kind of contradicted what she said that he was apparently very normal and healthy yeah and then she's like nah he was there was some strange shit so according to ophelia this is very graphic, by oh, the way. Oh, no. Um, this, it just gets a little weird in here. Uh, when Harvey was three or four years old, he would... I'm so upset. And I'm going to quote. <laughs> he would tie a string around his penis, place the loose end in a drawer, then lean back against the string. Why was he left to that many devices as a three or four year old? Thank you. I mean, that's what I was like. That's a lot of time. Baller that he knew like, how to tie a knot. It's at uh, three or four. Like, well, baller that he knew. How to tie a knot. You know, but pretty baller. Pretty baller that you know how to do that. But yeah. uh, maybe tie your shoes instead, Harps. Yeah. Also. And- like, did they, I don't know who you even call about that. Definitely not, not Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters but so. Like, mom, yeah, mom what'd you too, do about that? This was at, in the 50s. Yeah. So this is a very different, even now you'd be like, whoa, I don't know what to do with that. But you would call someone. In the 50s, embarrassment was a big thing. Yeah. Keeping, like, Shame. that was a taboo thing. We don't talk about that. And by the way, a lot of, um, I've, there was a really good source that um, Dave actually found. Dave. Um, his name, the author's name is Michael Newton, and it's called Rope, The Twisted Life and Crimes of Harvey Glattman. Uh, it's a really good book. We're going to, uh, we're going to link, link it in the show notes. I just wanted to say a lot of these quotes come from that book. Okay. So, yeah, so that was a little strange. Ophelia did admit, like, that was probably a little unusual, that behavior. Tad bit. But at the time, she was thinking, okay, kids go through weird phases where they're curious about their genitalia. And, yeah. like, maybe this is just a very weird, to me, way of him exploring that. Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, kids, it's like... It's and a lot, but, like, they, like, rub themselves up against that's shit. That's the thing, you know? and, you know, that's the thing. Because we, we have to remember this is the 50s, and we have to remember... 
you're always going to want to explain something like that away. Yeah, especially like especially when it's your kid. So yeah, it's just like you got to look at it like, you know, kids are weird. They go through and when you look at it with the benefit of hindsight after seeing what he did, yeah, you go so that's different. real fucking weird and that's clearly a red flag, but at the time I can understand maybe she was trying to convince that would scare me a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I would call someone, but I'm also not a 50s housewife. And that's the thing. We have someone to call. Yeah. So you got to take all that into account. Yeah. But there does come some more later that I'm like, yeah. Lots of ignoring. I got to do something about that. So uh, by all accounts, though, outside of that situation harvey's life was like pretty normal at home Mm -hmm. like there wasn't anything going on it was pretty in line with that of his peers at the time uh he was an only child so his mom kind of doted on him as much as possible while albert his father was the one to be kind of the primary disciplinarian there wasn't any straight up abuse in the household he was just a strict dad of the time he was also very disapproving of uh, harvey's chronic masturbation issue Well, you know. That he seemed to develop very young. Uh, He told Harvey that it was going to cause him to get acne if he continued doing it. I think maybe more like erectile dysfunction later in life. I don't know about acne. But I think it's like the hairy palms thing. What is that? I think that's like a religious thing that like if you masturbate, you're going to get hairy palms. That's hilarious. Yeah, like I think that's a thing. Is it like P-S-A-L-M-S? What is it? It was a joke. Like, it was like a religious joke because, like, Psalms. Oh! <laughs> I was like, what does that say? I literally couldn't <laughs> spell that in my what brain. What does that say? Wow. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it's Monday. You ruined my <laughs> joke. Sorry, that was a funny joke. I like that. Thanks. Probably both Harry Psalms. Harry Psalms. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that's what it was. It was just like, Probably back then, it was very common to tell your kid, yeah. like, don't jack off or you're going to get acne or something it's like, like that. It's like when your mom says, like, don't lie or your tongue's going to turn Exactly. Black. It's just one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, he was the primary disciplinarian, like I said, but it wasn't abuse, but it was a 50s household. So, like, it I'm was abuse, sure. but we just didn't call it abuse Exactly. It was abuse by our standards. Yeah. But in the 50s, it was just like, you're just raising your kid. Just slap your kid. Just slapping your kid around. But I don't know any instances of him being, like, beaten, beaten brutally or something like that. You know what I mean? But who knows? Because there isn't a ton known about his early life. So, yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
From the looks of it, there was no straight-up abuse that anybody was aware of. Okay. But we know that things can happen that we don't know about. Yeah, we know that in the 50s, like, the belt was a big thing. Exactly. That, that do be abuse. That's definitely days. abuse. So Ophelia may have been able to dismiss that one strange drawer incident <sighs> with his sexual self-exploration there. But then it started to get more frequent. Okay. And it started to become um, slightly masochistic. And again, you do you. Literally. But this is like a very small child. That's concerning. Yeah. Um, by the time he was four years old, four, uh-huh. Harvey's favorite pastime was tying a rope around his neck, then looping the other end over a pipe or oh a board God. in the rafters, holding it tight and masturbating at the same time. So at four years old, he was performing autoerotic asphyxiation. How did he even... And that's like, how did he even know how to do that? Exactly. Like that... And I'm, I am not accusing anybody of like sexual abuse or, you know, physical abuse. No. I'm just saying, who knows? It could be somebody outside of the family. Absolutely. But like something had he to have been going on something. somewhere. Yeah. Like how did he just come up with that? A four-year-old doesn't come up with that. No, that's the thing. So it's very strange... And as that Michael Newton bo- uh, book points out, that goes far beyond the typical curiosity that yes. a four-year-old or any one of that age group would have with that kind of stuff. Because, again, curiosity is a thing. It can come off a little strange when they're little. Yeah. But that's way beyond. No, that's And like, that's the one that I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah, that's like adult behavior. Maybe you should call Ghostbusters here. Like, I don't know. Call someone. Like the doctor. Now, yeah, it's – and actually he points out that this is a common thing that you would see this kind of uh, potentially injure, in, in, like injuring play yeah. would be something that you might see in someone that is a victim of childhood sexual abuse. Oh, that's sad. Then. But again, we have zero reports of that. We don't know. Right. But it's just that is something you see. It's an interesting thing. And does he ever say anything later about where that came from? No one says that he was sexually abused. He does not say he was sexually abused. Okay. Uh, his parents obviously don't. And then and he doesn't say anything about like like doing that when he was little. I think he later does like his crimes are very sexual in nature. Yeah. So I mean there was a clear thing there. Yeah. But I don't think even he understands it. Okay. To be quite honest. Okay. That's just me though. But neither like I said, Harvey didn't report being abused in the home sexually, physically, nothing. His parents didn't. But this, again, was the 50s. So if he was being abused by someone outside of the home or in the home, for that matter, silence would have been kind of par for the course. Oh, man. But I would have thought he would say something maybe later, but who knows? Again, a lot of people go their whole lives and they don't say a word. And could have been repressed also. Exactly. It can be any number of things. Um, but also at this time, when he was young, Albert and Ophelia were spending tons of time at the store they had opened like 12 hours a day, seven days a week kind of thing. So he was left to his own devices a lot. Like a babysitter? Like he would have a babysitter, but like also he was just kind of left to like roam around. Okay. So it's like, who knows who he ran into if something could have happened. Or like what he like even like picked up a magazine. Yeah, you don't know. But it's very interesting. Now in uh, 1938, the Glattmans actually moved to Denver, Colorado. And this was because of what Ophelia referred to as increased economic activity. Mm. 
I don't know where that economic activity was because, you know, they really couldn't do a lot with that stationary shop and they ended up having to close it down. So he, uh, Albert ended up getting a job driving a taxi cab in Denver and Ophelia actually got a job at a local hat shop to make ends meet. So it didn't look like they were like thriving. They were like at the bottom, but you know, whatever. Harvey kept up with the very strange and very frequent sexual behavior. And not long after they'd gone to Denver, Albert and Ophelia came home one evening to discover his neck swollen and rope burned oh no and in interviews after he was arrested way later harvey also said that he remembers several times one or the both of his parents catching him masturbating and he said it was very disturbing to his father in particular you would think his father used to be very upset about it and apparently his father had become convinced that this behavior was evidence of his son being queer now it's important to note this could be any number of like the 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 term queer has so many meanings in the 50s especially could also be him saying strange mm-hmm. quote unquote or it could be referring to as like, like sexuality yeah who knows that's never d- distinguished yeah. between right so i don't know either way he thought it was evidence of something that he deemed to be off okay with him. So unlike the first incident of unusual uh, psychosexual behavior, we'll call it, when he was four years old, that swollen neck and rope burns on Harvey's neck, that got everybody finally moving. Yeah. I mean, you could kill yourself very easily. This is when everybody was like, we got to find professional help here. So Albert and Ophelia took him to the family physician who um, did the best that he could do by just prescribing him some pills here do some cocaine about it just do some cocaine about it some methamphetamine that'll do the trick you have go you have ghosts in your bloodstream just do some (laughs) cocaine about it um he also you know he was like here's some pills and then he was like you know what you just need to keep this boy busy and he'll just grow out of it oh okay yeah he'll just grow out of this very normal behavior um it makes sense at this time that his parents likely just wanted to make this go away yeah out of shame Completely. And the doctor probably just didn't want to deal with it at the time. Like, this is not a time where... Or didn't even know how to. Because, like, what was... He probably was was nowhere near, like, educated in that way. No. To be dealing with this kind of psychology right. behavior. Like, that's the thing. He needed many more doctors. This didn't need to just be the family physician. It needed no. to be several specialists involved here. And he just didn't get it. So that same year, Harvey began attending Sherman Elementary School. Oh, my God. This is all before elementary school. Well, this is actually where he was in junior high. So this is when he's going into junior high. But it was at the Sherman Elementary School, I guess. I don't really know how that works. Okay. But that's where he I was like, I'm so I know, because when I saw it, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But yeah, that's what it was. Okay. But he was actually a great student. He excelled. At the very least, he was doing like average in school, but he was really above and beyond for most part. It was social skills that he struggled with. Kids made fun of him a lot. Mm. Um, They made fun of him for acne. They said he had buck teeth and overdeveloped ears. He did have very large ears. Which later in life, we can make fun of him all we want. Yeah, totally. Because he's a piece of shit. But you feel bad for the kid. But the kid, it's sad. Teachers said that he was very easily offended and very sensitive. Same. Uh, (laughs) Same. (laughs) Me Um, too. 
And because of all this, Harvey had developed a, a very deep fear of being around girls at this point. Uh, because he felt very inadequate whenever he was in their presence. This isn't shocking considering the bullying and the under underdeveloped social skills. Of course, he was going to be scared around girls. Yeah. But Ophelia later reported that he was so uncomfortable around women and girls that even later he would cross the street to avoid even passing one on the sidewalk. Wow, that's yeah. that's prime time fear. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's uh that's a normal phase Imagine of development. If you were walking down the street and a man's one thing. Like usually, it's the it's that would be person. great actually. Especially now, like actually, that would be nice if a man would just yeah. like cross over to the other side. I of the road. would be singing, "I got the power," <laughs> right like, for the rest of my day. It would be like the Bruce Almighty theme. Yes, <laughs> I'd be like, "Wow, I can do anything." Yeah, it's really wild. But when he wasn't in school, he was actually in the Boy Scouts. He worked a part-time job. He was a delivery boy. And then he actually worked as a laboratory assistant, which I was like, oh. oh. Um, he played music with this little band for a little while. Okay. His whole, you know, his life while he was dealing with some bullying, again, pretty unremarkable, not huge things happening. It's really just that behind the scenes psychosexual behavior that's happening with himself essentially yeah. right now. But it's just not being taken care of. If it was being taken care of, I wonder what would have happened. I know. Because it just like, right now he's just doing it with himself. But then he takes it out into the world. Yeah. Because that's where the unremarkability and the fairly normal outside world comes crashing down. Sure does. Harvey's criminal career began at age 12. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That was the first year that he was enrolled in Sherman Elementary, and it began when he, with what he referred to as creeping, Ugh. which involved him breaking into apartments and just, like, stealing little items. Uh, he once stole a twenty six caliber revolver. Mm. At first, it was like a game, and he said he did it kind of just for the thrill of doing it. It, like, got him excited. It's so scary, though, because it's like we say all the time, if somebody is, like cuckoo kabuku enough to break yep. into your house not knowing who the fuck you are or what the fuck is inside your they house. They are a scary person. They are a scary motherfucker. They are not to be trifled with if they are ready to jump into your yeah, house without knowing. 12 years old, no fear of breaking yeah. into a, a home. Like, wow. Yeah. And you know what? This just makes me think again that if you're looking for a TikTok follow for good self-defense and like really good tips... That Pure Power, I think his name is on TikTok. Mm. Um, he's fucking amazing and he has a podcast and he has the most soothing voice ever. Oh, shit. But he's very good at like telling you self-defense stuff, telling you just smart ways to keep yourself out of even having to use self-defense. Okay. Like he wants you to like not even get to Run. that point. And he has like a whole like Amazon storefront where he puts things like items that he feels are really good for self-defense and for protection and home security. He's just like a really good follow. Hell yeah. He's very comforting. He gives updates. I think he's um he's a police officer or a former detective. Oh, okay. And he worked I know with like about. crimes against children. Yep, yep, yep. So like I, like love him. Yeah. And he's just he's really good to follow for like updates on cases like the Idaho case and everything that's going on. He just gives like real unbiased, just here's what I think is happening yeah, here. He is really good. Um, but he's a really good follow. So I just like I want him to like blow up. Follow him. You know. Him and this girl. Sinister babe. Well, sinister babe, of course. But there's another, another one. Another one. I, I just love giving you recommendations. Let's blow these TikTokers You're good at up. It. Uh, horror Chronicles Ooh. on TikTok. She gives um, horror movie recommendations. She's fucking awesome at it. 
All of hers have been A+. Plus. No. She gives. She watches like a million horror movies a second. She's phenomenal. That would ruin And me. I think she's making her own. She's actually producing her own. So oh, go follow her. That? Horror Chronicles. Go follow her. Yay. I want her to blow up too. Look, look, um, look. <laughs> so yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little side tangent. We might all get blown up. Let's just yeah, you know, UFOs are coming, but let's let's blow these people up and get them some get them some bag before that happens. Uh, um, but yeah, so he's he's stealing these items. He's doing this for the thrill of it. And at first, he was like, "I just did it for the thrill of it." But <laughs> all I can picture is him going, "I'm doing it for a thrill." What is that for? Uh, what is this from a song? It's like. I'm doing it for a thrill. I don't know what that is. Something. I was always. I was thinking of that song. We are always running for the thrill of it. Thrill of it. Always switching up that hill, searching for the thrill of it. That's a great song. There you go. That's him. So that's that's Harvey. He's searching for the thrill of it. But unfortunately, he brought it out of thrill behavior and into violent behavior pretty quick. Yikes! He only marinated in that thrill behavior for like a minute. Uh, because now he was preferring to break into the homes of single women. Hey. Pre- like, preferably single women. At 12? Yep. And sometimes, at 12, no, he would follow a woman home, force her into her bedroom, gag her with a cloth while tying her arms with rope. Holy yeah. shit. Was and he a big kid? He was not a big kid. That's the thing. But he had a gun. He would flash uh, that gun. That's right, why he right, stole right. it. Damn. And other times he would unbutton their shirts and skirts to assault them. Ew. And then just leave them. So like escalation station. Dot com. Like you, that wasn't taken care of when it, when it should have been taken care of. And now we have this. Holy shit. And this is going to be a lot harder to stop. And it doesn't. So by the time he'd completed his sophomore year of high school in 1944, he had really become bold with this behavior because oh, he just keeps getting away he's getting worse and worse and he's getting away with it he'd stolen another gun from another apartment that he broke into and would use that to threaten women on the streets he would pull them into like alleys and shit and force them into undressing or <gasps> giving him cash what the fuck he had also taken up photography on the side i was gonna say i knew that came into play yeah. at some point and i know that sounds random but it will it will matter later yeah uh ick, ick. Very ick yick. Um, but yeah, he would. So now he's using these guns that he's stolen, and it's only women. Like he's got a thing with women, and it's yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? Then the ne- very next year in May 1945, he was actually caught by the Denver, the Denver police as he was attempting to break into the apartment of a single woman. Holy cow. When the officers turned out his pockets, they discovered a long piece of rope and a pistol. Yikes. And they knew exactly what he was going to be doing with it. Uh, He was interrogated, and he confessed to burglarizing area apartments, but he would not admit to sexual assaults. Of course not. He just said he would burglarize. He just liked the thrill of breaking in places. You fucking liar. He was charged with first-degree robbery, and he was actually bailed out by his parents. Mm. Yeah. They're not... Ophelia and Albert are not helping. I just need to put that out there. Harvey's parents were very much in denial. Yeah. Very much. Which um, is sad when you think about it. It is sad. No one wants to believe their child is like this. But I also want to be like, now's that hindsight that you need to look back on those other things and be like, yeah, something's wrong yeah. and we need to get him help. Yeah. But again, the time period makes it a little more difficult. Totally. So I can understand. It's just like we're looking at it through a 2023 lens. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, they just couldn't or wouldn't recognize what was happening here, even though at this point it's like right in front of them. 
the man was showing a very severe hatred and aggression towards women specifically. And his mother, Ophelia, at the time, said she just believed that her son had begun using the break-ins and assaults as a means of meeting women. Mama what? Yeah. Like, she said he's just really girl shy. Take up speed dating, asshole. And then she was actually quoted in an interview as saying, he accosted girls in the evening just for an approach. Or on another occasion, he entered an apartment where girls were alone and molested them in a similar way, but never harmed anyone in a bodily way. Molesting someone is not harming them bodily? Ophelia, we need to talk. Like, girl, look up your definition of molest. That is what's so sad about this, is it's like, she's fully sitting there being like, what? He only molested people. Yeah, he she never didn't harm them, them in a bodily way. What the fuck do you call that? Well, then that makes you wonder, like, what she went through. Exactly. Because I'm like, like, if you don't think that's harming someone, like, And what? if you've taught him that that is not harming someone, has he gone through something and he just doesn't, he didn't realize that that's what that was? Yeah. Because he's been taught that? real fucking weird with that statement. Thank you. By late spring of 1945, all the creeping and, you know, late night activities that he had done had taken kind of a toll on his schoolwork. He was falling behind. Think, yeah. Yeah. He was a really good student for most of his career, but he was finishing June, uh, high school in June of that year with like his grades falling dramatically. He did end up graduating apparently in like the top part of his class, but that was literally only because of his previous year's right, work. Right, right. Um, then on Sunday evening in mid-June, so Harvey approached Noreen Laurel on a Denver sc- uh, street corner, excuse me, and he approached her, he flashed her pis- the pistol at her like he had done a bunch of other times, and he told her to come along with him quietly. Oh, no. Don't you just want to throat punch him? Yes. Like some fucking other little shit stain walking up to you with his big fucking ears and flashing a pistol in your face. Yeah, like who and the telling fuck you to do come you with think you fuck are? Fuck you, you little turd. Once he had her in the back, in the back, uh, excuse me, once he had her back at the car, is what I meant to say, Harvey tied her hands with rope and demanded that she get in the car. Oh my God, this poor so girl. she had to get in. And at that point, he drove her out to Sunshine Canyon in the western part of the city. And what happened there is kind of unclear. Okay. But Harvey later said that he removed her clothes and assaulted her before allowing her to leave and then even giving her cab fare for the ride home. What a kind guy. Yeah. Wow, Harvey. And you know what? In true, yeah, that's about right fashion, police reports and interviews at the time stressed that Noreen Laurel was not attacked or raped and that the two had only, quote, laid down together all night. Yeah, I bet. That's about right. Like, who do men think they are just being able to, like, overpower yeah. women, take undress what you want. them, like, just take whatever the fuck, like... Who the fuck do you think you are? Exactly. If not for a woman, you wouldn't be here. No so way. Go away. So get the fuck out. Y'all shit. Yeah, he's real gross. I hate. Um, of course, luckily, Noreen Laurel immediately went to the police to report the kidnapping and assault. Good. And the Denver police were a little taken aback at first by how familiar this looked. Yeah. Because they were like, wait a second. After all, they had just arrested Harvey Glattman a month earlier for a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. So they showed Noreen a series because he was breaking into an apartment to literally assault someone right. with all that shit. Um, so they showed Noreen a series of mug shots and she immediately identified Harvey as the man who'd abducted her and driven her out to Sunshine Canyon. Right. Harvey was arrested later that afternoon for the charge of molesting women Ugh. and then released pending trial. Wow. Just released. Imagine. Yeah. Like, you just 
are yeah. running around molesting women and you get, and you get released. Also, I hate the word molest. I know. It's really gross. It is. And his ears are yeah. fucking huge. He's such a little dude. His ears are fucking huge. They are. I'm pissed at him at this <laughs> He's point. He's a dick Oh, now. I forgot that you said that there's yeah, pictures. Yeah. Kind of Guys, do not Google him because that will happen to you on impact. They're upsetting. Yeah, they are. Um, but by the summer of 1945, at just 17 years old. He's yeah. still only 17 years old here. That's why He had been arrested twice for assaulting and abducting women. That's a pattern. That's a pathology. And that's a fucking problem, Glattman family. Yeah, because we're only going to, like, ramp escalate, it up. Like, escalate, escalate, escalate. Thank you. So Albert and Ophelia finally took Harvey to a psychologist. Damn, Dr. JP. Yeah, they only took him to the family fucking doctor. Yeah, but probably like, the pediatrician speed. who was like, here you go. Here's some Flintstone vitamins. You'll be fine. God. So Dr. J.P. Hilton was the psychiatrist that they took him to. I'm not confident. Um, he was made very aware of Harvey's history of very unusual sexual behavior. And among the most noteworthy of Hilton's observations was that Harvey was, quote, sullen, morose, and very disrespectful. And for several years had felt that everyone was against him, including his parents. Okay. Interesting. Very but, disrespectful, yeah. like to say the least. Yeah, like please say more. Um, but he actually diagnosed Harvey with schizophrenia. Huh. But he offered absolutely no treatment option or any more information other than recommending that he just plead gu not guilty by reason of insanity. Okay. Thanks, Doc. I'm well, so like, glad that everyone is doing the absolute least here. What about his condition made you feel like he was schizophrenic? Like, exactly. What is, that what is that based on? I don't think a lot. Yeah, I think yeah. that was, I almost feel like that was like, let's take him to a psychologist. Because, you know, because yeah. he's insane. Because they, they kind of almost admitted the parents that like they... Only took him to the psychiatrist to help with the legal trouble. Yeah, it sounds so, like that. Well, and it sounds like this guy was like, ah, schizophrenia. Yeah, sure. Why not? Plead insanity. Right. It's no surprise that after that, on September 30th, 1945, Harvey was arrested again. Wowee. I know. Unfortunately, this time, we don't know a lot about the charges of this arrest. Because mm. um, remember, this is the 40s. But it's unknown whether there was no bail set or whether his parents didn't have the resources to bail him out this time. But whatever the case, he spent the next month and a half in jail. Good. Uh, he appeared in court on November 19th, and he didn't plead insanity, as mm. was suggested. He pled guilty to first-degree robbery and was sentenced to one to five years at Colorado State Penitentiary. I was going to say, maybe he just knew that the yeah. it wasn't going to work and pleading guilty will get you a lesser yeah, exactly. sentence. And he probably didn't want to go in a hospital. Exactly. So while he was in prison in Colorado, he was evaluated by a second psychiatrist. A real one? Who described him as, quote, somewhat embarrassed and shy boy. Who had been a model inmate. 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 Shy boy. An inmate. I know. You're an I inmate. couldn't stop thinking of a shy boy. Shy boy. Shy boy. <laughs> Sad boy. But unlike the other doctor, this prison psychiatrist said he found no evidence of hallucinations yeah. or psychotic thought patterns, saying, quote, there is evidence of anxiety, but emotions are well controlled. Practically no fantasy life is evident. And the prison psychiatrist concluded, I feel this boy is probably a psychoneurosis compulsive or anxiety type without much depression. I can find no evidence of schizophrenia huh. and do not believe shock treatment is indicated. Oh, which I was like, oh, whoa, okay. Whoa. Like, well, that's good. Well, damn. Um, so because of good behavior and being a model prisoner, he got paroled after serving just eight months of the one-year mandatory sentence and was released July 27th, 1946. Great. Guys... 
there wasn't any women in there with him. Yeah, like he has nothing to Of course he's going to keep his shit together. There were no women in there for him to assault. Exactly. He, of course he's going to be a model inmate. What's he going to do? Like, come on. That's the thing. Oh, he makes me crazy. It, me too. By the way, in later interviews with the press, Ophelia said Harvey was seen by another psychiatrist upon release from prison. Doubt prison? It. Prison. Why Are can't okay? I talk today? You know, it's the Aliens. first day that I feel alive and I can't speak. Aliens. Um, but yeah, another psychiatrist saw him when he was released from prison. And his treatment recommendations included a trip out of state and dancing lessons to increase the young man's confidence with girls. A psychiatrist said this. Dance lessons to make him stop kidnapping and sexually assaulting women. Can you imagine if you went to your therapist and you were like, hey, I'm sad. And they yeah. were like, you know what you should do? Dance about it. Dance and go on a trip. Or imagine going to your psychiatrist and being like, hi, I just got out of prison because I kidnapped and sexually assaulted a woman I on the street with that. a pistol. And that psychiatrist is like, I think I you think, have confidence I issues. I think you should get some confidence with women. Let's have you dance with them. No. I think that will be fine. You know what? No. You can use more confidence when you abduct and assault women. Yikes. What the fuck about him says that he doesn't have confidence? He's literally abducting women and forcing himself upon them. That love- has a certain air of, I get to do what I want to do right, about like, it. That's the thing. I love that their whole thing is like, he's just trying to get a date. That poor shy boy. I'm like, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. He's I love just that trying every, to get his way. Everyone around him is like, you know, it's it's very incel thinking. Yeah. Like it's very and his and his family and everyone around him are just right a along with incels. it. They're all like, yeah, it's the women's fault. Like maybe if they were nice to him, he wouldn't have to be a fucking murderer. And it's maybe like, I don't think that's right. Let them take him, take them home. Then he wouldn't have to hold a pistol at their head. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That works. Oh, hat. <laughs> thanks. So of course, Ophelia ever the doting mother. I can't. Took Harvey to New York, hoping the change of scenery would maybe help him feel better here son here's some new york girls to yeah abduct. here's a whole other population for you to attack great uh it didn't which i know is shocking Ooh. but his prison stint didn't change him no he very shortly after arriving in new york bought a pocket knife and a cap gun that looked very real and assumed resumed his whole creeping thing and now it's so yeah. much easier in New York. Yeah, There's, it's a new place. Again, like almost like the Scream uh, read that we did. More Hell places yeah. to hide. March 10th, go see Scream. Radio silence. Radio silence. Samara Weaving. Oh, Samara Weaving. Like Sweeney McSwinnerson. Also, Kirby's com. back. Kirby's back. Kirby. All right, so on August 7th, so on August 17th, less than one month after being paroled in Colorado, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not on this planet. I think an UFO has taken part of me away. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know why I can't talk today. You just got probed. It's been a long few weeks. I think my brain and my mouth are just catching up with each other. It's been a long life, mama. So Harvey, right after being paroled, like one month, Harvey approached two young women on the street in Yonkers and flashed a gun at them. He told them to be silent and he wouldn't hurt them. One of the women luckily screamed her fucking head off Good. and drew the attention of a man nearby who ran to them and screamed at Harvey. He was like, I'm going to fuck you up. Thank God for good men. Harvey ran off into the night, scared Bye. the shit out of him, but it didn't scare him too badly because shortly later, the same evening after midnight, Harvey was out once again prowling in the same exact area. This time he came upon Thomas Starrow and Doris Thorne. 
who are just out together for a late night walk. Yeah. He flashed a fake pistol at them. This time they were scared, obviously, and they complied. They didn't want to get hurt. Yeah. And they walked with him into the dark area just beyond the road. Harvey told Thomas to kneel on the ground and put his hands behind his back. Oh, no. When he did, he stole $30 from Thomas's wallet. The fuck? What the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. Then he tied his hands and feet. Then he turned his attention to Doris. She must have been shitting herself. So poor Thomas is kneeling there with his hands and feet tied. I can't do anything. He instructed Doris to stand by a tree where he bound her hands behind her back and began removing her shirt. Oh, my God. As he began doing this, Thomas managed to get himself untied, jumped up, and fucking... Like, linebacker tackled Harvey. And completely unexpectedly. Beat the shit out of him. Harvey didn't hear him untying himself. Did not know it. he was coming. Just got fucking sideswiped Doris by Thomas. Doris must have been like, my, my man. man. Harvey put, then, though, pulled the knife from his pocket and sliced Thomas's chest and oh. abdomen oh. two or three times before running off. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, they both lived. The couple reported the attack to police, and by the time the Yonkers Police Department released their alert for the man who attacked them, Harvey had already left the city and was on his way to Albany. Thank goodness. But fucked up. In late August, Harvey was not hanging with his mom anymore, and he actually started renting an apartment on Columbia uh, Columbia Street in Albany, and he started prowling once again. Mm. On the night of August 22nd, Florence Hayden had just left work and took the bus back to her apartment. After getting off of her stop, she was just walking for a few minutes towards her apartment, and she started to realize she got that feeling like someone was following her. Right. And when she looked, she was like, oh, good, it's just a nurse, like, who was probably on her way to work. So she was like, okay, I'm near the hospital. That makes sense. But what Florence didn't see behind the nurse was Harvey following and stalking, hiding behind the nurse. Oh. When the nurse turned down towards the street, uh, down a street towards the hospital, Harvey made his move and rushed Florence by, from behind, jammed the gun into her back and told her not to make a sound. He stole whatever she had in her purse and then forced her into a dark backyard. There, he instructed her to turn around and put her hands behind her back. Florence is a smart cookie, though. And as he began tying her hands with the rope, she realized that if he was using both hands to bind her, he wouldn't be able to aim or shoot a gun. Boom. So with this in mind, she just turned around to face him, pushed him as hard as she could, and screamed as loud as she could. Good. Smart girl. The sharpness of that movement and the unexpected screaming at him scared the shit out of Harvey. He did not see that coming, so he just ran off. Good. She immediately went to the police and reported this. Luckily, everyone's reporting, which is good. I know, because especially back then, that didn't always happen, because unfortunately, a lot of times... You don't see it a lot. They were just like, yeah, that's your fault. Yeah, exactly, and that does happen at some point. Yeah. So that didn't scare him enough, though, because the next night, he tried another assault, This time he jumped out at teens um, Beverly Goldstein and Evelyn Berger as they walked down the sidewalk. Yeah. He waved his fake gun in their faces. He demanded money from them. But once they handed over the money, he suddenly realized that he wasn't going to be able to bind an assault, one, without the other one either running or trying to stop him. Like he hadn't thought this through. Smart thinking. So he took the cash and ran. Wow. Luckily, he's a fucking idiot. Luckily, Evelyn and Beverly went directly to the police and reported the assault. 
fucking idiot he is. Like, he literally went through with this and then was like, oh, shit. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, one of them's probably going to try to help the other, huh? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Now, this is the first time that Harvey actually got some kind of nickname, but it was like he became known. He was he was feared at this point in the community yeah. because he was attacking people. And, and women. He, was, he was being called the Phantom Bandit. Wow. Which is really bad. Crafty. That's really bad. And apparently he was a real pain in the ass to the Albany police because they just couldn't seem to nab him. He would just disappear into the darkness. Now, Police Commissioner James Kerwin and Night Chief William Mooney at the Albany Police Department coordinated with the Albany Police Detective Bureau, and they mounted what, what, what was at the time referred to as the most intensive manhunt conducted in recent memory. Shit. So they were really... Going for it. Yeah, like there was a lot riding on this. They had detectives and patrol officers everywhere and even volunteering to work overtime to catch the Phantom. Good. Um this paid off because two days later, on August 25th, two detectives spotted someone matching the phantom description that had been given by all the victims because luckily they all could describe him. Um, and I love it because part of the description said that he had, quote, big ears holding up a pair of horned rimmed glasses. Accurate. Um, I support bullying here. In I this do instant. too. Not only did he match the physical description, but as the detective watched this asshat... He was intent intently following a young woman who seemed completely oblivious to his presence. He, they were just watching him follow her. Wow. Like watching him in real time. So they immediately approached him with hey, their guns drawn. What you doing? They literally walked up and were like, yeah, like just right in Caught his face. Ya. And instructed him to turn out his pockets. Inside, he had his fake cap gun, yep. a length of rope, and his wallet, which contained $24. Now, he was taken into custody without much incident. While a second patrol unit searched Harvey's apartment, where they found several personal items belonging to previous victims. Crazy. Ding, ding, ding. It's so, the bandit. There he is. So Harvey sang like a bird that sings. A canary? The canaries sing? Yes. Yeah, they sing. Uh, he sang. Well, that's the phrase anyway. Yeah, he sang like a canary. All birds sing, don't they? They do, right? Like a morning dove. Glory? Glory. Glory. No. Is that a, is that a flower? Glory? That might be a flower. I think it is a flower. I don't know. Either way, he spilled the tea at the station. <laughs> Where am I? He told them everything. He talked about prison, his criminal history, his assaults and robberies in Yonkers only weeks earlier. All of it. He was proud of himself. 
like thought it was great. Oh. Authorities in Colorado were like, oh, hey, he's on parole. So they were willing to charge. Yeah, they were like, that's a parole violation. Um, They were like, hey, Albany, will you extradite him and we'll we'll charge him too? Um, And also police in Yonkers were like, oh, hey, can we also have him because of that violent assault on Thomas and Doris over here? Thanks. But authorities in Albany were like, well, we want to prosecute him for the three attacks first. Yeah. So on August 28th, a grand jury in Albany indicted Harvey for robbing Florence Hayden by means of force and by placing her in fear of immediate injury. Okay. All of the added potential charges in the different places were going to be a problem for him. Yeah. So he eagerly accepted the DA's offer offer for a reduced sentence for a guilty plea. Okay. In early October, he was sentenced to five to ten years and was sent to Elmira Reformatory on October 24th, 1946, to serve that sentence. Now, he was evaluated by a physician and a psychiatrist when he was admitted to the prison. They always do that. And he completed an IQ test, and he got a score of 126. Wow. So the psychiatrist, Dr. Ralph Ryan Kale, noted that he was, quote, endowed with superior intelligence which is unfortunate. I wonder if he had a superiority complex. He could have. And this is what he wrote, he said in his notes. Um, you can see this in the Michael Newton book too. He said, because of his conforming attitude and high level of ability, he will probably have no difficulty in an institution and will do well in any program to which he is assigned in accordance with his ability. Yeah. However, unless he receives intensive psychotherapy, it is not likely that a correctional institution will improve his deep-seated personality difficulties. I think we've already proved that, Which y'all. make him a potentially dangerous individual to be at large. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we should listen when psychiatrists give this blunt and insightful of a fucking evaluation. I would. Initially, Harvey reports that his criminal activities were just motivated on, quote, the impulse to become famous or do something unusual. Something unusual. But then he later said that it was the impulse to hold up women, tie them up, and watch them, afforded him sexual gratification, and gave him a sense of stimulation. Oh. So, he was officially diagnosed as psychopathic personality, schizophrenic type. Oh. Uh, and that was due to that other diagnosis of schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, and they said, without proper treatment, he will remain a threat to the public. But they were all like, yeah, that's fine. We'll and probably let me just guess, let him out. They didn't give him proper treatment. Well, finally, this is when his parents seemed to kind of take it even more seriously. Ophelia actually told Dr. Ryan Kale that she and Albert would consent to brain surgery or a frontal lobotomy. Wow. If there was no other options for treatment. Because she literally said she wished him dead over living life as a criminal deviant. Oh, okay. So, given the time period and the pattern of behavior before this... It could be that his parents finally saw this as something that needed to be taken care of for betterment purposes. Right. Or they could have still felt a little shamed and felt like a lobotomy would just kind of incapacitate and take care of the issue. The fact that they were like, you know what, just lobotomize Just him. lobotomize that like, fucker. Shit. Not sure why, but on September 9th, 1948, after serving two years at Al- Almira, Harvey was transferred to Sing Sing Prison. Oh. Along the Hudson River, just outside New York City. No one knows why. His behavior was not as good, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, guessing. Oof. Um, despite, he was getting, like, good behavior reports, but he got... He was getting rave reviews. I don't know he was. He had five stars. But when he went to Sing Sing, he, got, he also got good reports of behavior. Okay. Um, he was part of their radio repair program, which later becomes a job for him. Huh. Uh, the psychiatrist at Sing Sing said his outlook was unfortunately poor. 
Yeah. And insisted that he, quote, should be psychoeducated and if still antisocial, should be segregated even if schizophrenia does not seem to develop. Huh. And the psychiatric report also said that his IQ was at 130. Oh, wow. Which was four points higher than the previous test. And that's a solid, solid amount of points. What's interesting even more so, though, is that the state parole board submitted another report a year later Uh in August of 1949, and his IQ was at 90. Huh. So somehow it dropped 40 points in 12 months. That's interesting. The report doesn't give a reason or really even acknowledge this, like, big deviation. Yeah, right? The thing is, though, one, he could have been tired sick anything uh-huh. when he took that test two he could have done it on purpose yeah because why the fuck at not? that point he's like what else do i have to do yeah it just it's but it's just a strange little like how the fuck did that happen and well and is it always the same exact test that's the thing i don't know so mm-hmm. who knows now after two and a half years at sing sing with six months taken off for good behavior he was granted parole i must go on april 16th 1951 but he would have to remain under court supervision for five more years uh, he was now sent to Yonkers because he had warrants there for his arrest for Thomas and Doris, the attack on them. This was a big charge considering what he had done to them. Yeah. He was facing serious time for this one. Fortunately for Harvey and unfortunately for everyone else in the entire world, his lawyer in the Yonkers charge said that the court had known about Harvey's whereabouts since 1946. They could have prosecuted him at any point in the previous five years. And they didn't, so this would be a violation of his Sixth Amendment right to a speedy public trial. Oh, that's open and shut. The judge in the case said, yeah, that's he yeah, had that's no right. other choice. The charges were dismissed. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. And then the parole board in New York approved Harvey's proposed plan to move back to Denver and live with his parents. They just said he needed to maintain regular check-ins with the court. He had to have outpatient outpatient therapy, and um, he had to keep a job, I think. Okay. So Harvey returned to Denver in the fall of 1951, and he met with psychiatrist Dr. Franklin Ebaugh. Franklin! Franklin, for an evaluation. Uh, he also was there to get treatment recommendations, but Ebaugh diagnosed Harvey as a secondary psychopath. What's that mean? He said his feelings of inadequacy, poor adaptability, impulsivity, and the fact that he is very critical and somewhat hostile towards his environment would be reason enough for him to attend at least monthly therapy sessions. Okay. But that was it. Okay. He never returned. Oh. That he got that recommendation and that was it. Thanks for your rec. Yeah. He just didn't, he didn't come back. And then years later, after Harvey had been arrested for murder later mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, Dr. Eba actually said Harvey, quote, was relatively free of all symptoms at the time of evaluation. Oh, yeah, totally. I bet. Failures. Like, You're all what? failures. Like, what the fuck? So he's just ignoring that psychiatric, you know, that he has to attend therapy. He's ignoring that. He's Why like, not? nah, I don't feel like it. Yeah, no big deal. But he definitely got a job, right? That's no, important. he no. didn't. No. For the first three and a half years he lived with his parents in Denver, he was just completely unemployed. And how old is he at this point? At this point, he's like in his early, I think he's early 20s. Yeah. 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 Now, according to his loser. mother, he was unable to find a job because, quote, no bonding company would give him bond. Ophelia, stop. Like, you can't. No, Ophelia, you could stop. Still find a job. Yeah, stop it, Ophelia. Then, in October of 1952, a year after he had come home, Albert Glattman died of complications of diabetes. Oh, that's sad. That's now, really sad. I know, it is sad. 
And as a result, Ophelia had to work a lot more to make ends meet. Which so means she, she's out more. Yeah. So she actually opened a small hat shop in Denver and Harvey was kind of left to his own devices again. We all know what happens when Harvey's left to his own motherfucking devices. It's not good. We don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, finally, that year, he found, or no, excuse me, uh, two years later, in 1954, he actually finally found employment at a Denver butcher shop. Oh, no. But don't worry. He abandoned that job after 10 months. We don't really know why. Okay. 10 months Um, is a pretty good stint. Yeah. A parole summary from this time actually shows him his employment history. Uh, they they label it as erratic. <laughs> I would say so. Because he worked in just two years. He worked as radio and television repair jobs, mattress filler, truck driver, shipping clerk, butcher, like everywhere. Is a mattress filler just somebody who Apparently. like stuffs mattresses? Maybe. Imagine. I feel like that'd be a really soothing job. I mean, I don't know what they stuffed mattresses with it's back probably then. probably poisonous. Probably like asbestos. Probably. But... <laughs> probably just straight up asbestos. I mean... You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, according to the report, he had difficulty in adjusting with some of his employers and was often fired for insubordination and arrogant behavior. Harvey? No. Yeah. Which also, I'm like, you're pretty bold to look like you do and be so arrogant, Harvey. You're pretty bold pretty to, like, fucking bold. be on parole and I give you a job yeah. and you're a dick about it. I'd be I like, just, hey, asshat. I just love that that guy looked in the mirror every day and was bold in any way. It's usually those ones, though. Like, what a little fucking turd. Yeah. On, on September 7th, 1956, uh, he was discharged from po- parole after doing nothing he was supposed to do. So awesome. Clerical that system worked really well in that instance. Now he was just completely free and, free and clear. He didn't have any charges, nothing. He can just go. So finally, at this point, he is 28 years old and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And what he wanted to do was get as far away from Denver and as far away from his mom as he could. So in January of 1957, he moved to Los Angeles, California. <gasps> he had big dreams of becoming a star. He certainly did. Now, remember. Harvey, from, like, the beginning of his life, has had someone telling him what to do. Not just his parents, but, like, bosses, jailers, parole parole officers. In Los Angeles, no one. this is the first time he is free. He's writing the script. Yeah. Something that, with someone who has his particular interests, would be very appealing. Yeah. Because, remember, this is a big city. It's Los Angeles. You can go around unnoticed. No one's going to notice a little strange behavior. Mm -mm. So, remember, he did the radio repair program at Sing Sing, and he worked on, like, on and off in radio and television repair once he was paroled. So he quickly found work in L.A. in those kind of jobs. Um, It wasn't super steady work, but he could cover rent for a small apartment. He was renting on Melrose Avenue. Um. And if he couldn't cover the rent, Ophelia would just send him money. Yeah, of you course know? she would. Yeah. And re- now at this point, he's really going further into his uh, interest in photography that he started in high school, which I mentioned. Yeah, you did. Now, this is L.A. in the later 50s, almost the 60s. Actresses and models are everywhere looking for their big break. Mm, um, and at this girls. time, you could find, like, it, there was all those stories of, like, you know, this this gal was just waiting in line at a diner. And this man came up and said, you need to be in pictures. You oh, know, yeah. like, it's just... This was that time. Literally. So during this time period, those who felt so inclined and couldn't find that kind of work yet, Mm -hmm. but still wanted to be in the realm of some kind of entertainment, they could make ends meet by posing for kind of lowbrow men's magazines or other photographers that had like 
questionable credentials. That's how like Betty Page started. Exactly. This was a very big thing. The detective magazines, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, nobody really wanted to do it, but it would pay the bills. So at nearly 30 years old in 1957, he had, Harvey had not had a consensual sexual encounter at this point. Wow. He's almost 30. He has not seen a woman nude of their own volition. That's nuts. And let that sink in. He's never full blown raped. Not that we know of. Point that we know of. Not that we know of. Every encounter he has had sexually or with a naked woman has been violently forced upon them. Wow. Yes. That's wild. Isn't that wild to think about? And heartbreaking for those women. So heartbreaking. Now in Los Angeles, all he had to do was call one of those modeling agencies or place an ad in the back of a magazine looking for models and women would come to him. Mm-hmm. So the photography of it all actually worked to his benefit for a few reasons. One being that it was easy to put an ad in there, call a modeling agency and say you're a photographer. It also made him seem legit and trustworthy, even Especially as if he creeped. Agency, yep. Exactly. And for someone so uncomfortable and self-conscious in the presence of women, the camera was also a nice little barrier between himself and them. It kind of gave him this, like, control feeling without having a weapon in his hands. Yep, even though it kind of was his weapon. But it was his weapon. So he went about just luring and taking photos of nude women for a while, always under a fake photographer name. Yeah. He was kind of testing the waters a little bit, seeing how this all worked. Yep. But after a few months, he wasn't just content to hide behind the camera and watch naked women. Uh, So in summer of 1957, he decided to escalate. And boy, did he. Harvey's first target was Lynn Likels, a woman he'd photographed a few months earlier while he was posing as Johnny Glenn, a professional commercial photographer. Was he like, hey, by the way, that's not my name? No, he, he just that that was what he pretended his name was. And Harvey's plan was to show up at Likels' apartment. They know each other a little bit from that one encounter She's now. comfortable. Exactly. And he's like, he was just going to show up and say, you know what? Like, I need to do a photo shoot. Will you be my model? And then he was planning to sexually assault her once he managed to get inside. He'd even purchased a 32 caliber pistol just in case. Oh, my God. On the evening of July 13th, he drove to her apartment and knocked on her door. But what he didn't think about was maybe she doesn't live alone. Oh. Yep. And it never crossed his mind that she wow. could live with someone else. The yeah. way that, like, I mean, I'm happy. Like, yeah. I'm glad. But I'm like, you don't think anything else. You're an idiot. You? Uh, so somebody else answered the door and he knew he couldn't restrain two people at once. He had failed at that several times Mm -hmm. already. So he had to think of another plan. So it was Lykel's roommate who answered the door and she ended up letting him in and told him, you know, Lynn isn't home. And as she told him this, Harvey noticed another blonde, attractive female, a picture of one hanging on the wall. Okay. And she, he walked over to it and he was like, who's this? Mm Mm-hmm. And the blonde in the photos was 19-year-old Judy Ann Dull, the girl's other roommate. She was also a sometimes pinup model. Okay. She is breathtaking. Pinup work is like my favorite kind of model. If you ever. look her up, you're like, holy shit. Judy was also out when um Judy wasn't in like wasn't in the apartment. She was out when Harvey had arrived. So the roommate gave him the phone number and was like, you should just call another time and maybe they'll want to work with you. Yeah. By 1957, let's talk about um, Judy for a minute. By 1957, Judy had been modeling for a while. Um, She had actually already at 19 been married and divorced. 
Oh, wow. Um, because, and at the time, she was in, like, a very intense custody battle Aww. for her one-year-old daughter. So she was trying to make any extra money she could for, like, court fees and shit and just to, like, prove that she could take care of her. And, of course, he's going to yeah. use that to his he's advantage. He's going to on that. Harvey had come unexpectedly to the apartment um, at one point saying his name was Johnny Glenn and that her roommates knew him like he had come back to the apartment. And he was saying, you know, he needed someone for a rush job. Mm -hmm. It was a pulp novel cover and she would be perfect for it. And she wasn't jumping at the chance when she answered the door. She was like, uh, she was like hesitant. She just had a feeling like probably that like, you know, this. I think this is the guy that my roommate described as kind of a creep. I'm not sure. Like. She's seen a lot of photographers, but I just, I don't know. I think this is the one. But Harvey kind of pushed a little, saying it was an emergency. And if she wasn't interested, could she could she just get one of the other girls on the phone? Because he'll take one of them. Okay. This is when she was like, fine. And she let him into the apartment. Yeah. Now, when he arrived, he told Judy that a friend's photo studio had actually just become available unexpectedly. And he was like, would you mind switching the location instead of being at your apartment? Could we go to the studio? And she really didn't want to because she was like, no, I feel safe in my apartment. Yeah. Because I have two roommates that could come in at any time. And like, I don't know about that. Like, you didn't say we were going somewhere, but the money was really good that he was saying. Of course it was. And she needed to work as much as possible to get money together for the custody hearing. So she agreed and left the apartment in Harvey's black Dodge, uh, Dodge Coronet. So they ended up not going to a studio, but going to Harvey's apartment. She went inside because she was focused solely on making money for her daughter, and that kills me. Once inside, he explained that the photos were for a detective-style magazine, and he'd be shooting her in bondage. Oh, no. So he tied her hands behind her back, he bound her ankles, and then he began shooting poses of Judy in various poses. Um, She was on a chair at one point, she was laying on a rug... Eventually, Judy was like, I'm uncomfortable and I'm rest- like, I want to get out of this. Yeah, like I've done enough. But he wouldn't untie her. Oh, Instead, no. he just placed her onto a chair and told her that he was going to keep her tied up while he, quote, had some fun with her. <gasps> oh, my God. He then flashed the gun at her and was like, do you know I'm serious now? Oh, my God. Now, unfortunately, we only get Harvey's side of the story in a lot of these. But his version that he told detectives is that he claimed once he made those intentions clear, he removed the gag from Judy's mouth and told her he'd kill her if she yelled. She nodded in agreement. And according to him, Judy told him that she was a nymphomaniac and that she wouldn't cause any trouble for him. I highly, highly, highly doubt that. I would go on the record saying that that's most likely not true. I'm going to say it right now. That's 100% not true. No. Like, anybody in that position is not going to be like, well, don't worry about me because, I'm an infomaniac, so this is great. Like, that's not sex that's being raped. And he brought up that she said that she was a nympho, so it was fine, but that she um she was in a custody hearing and she had one coming up and didn't want anything being used against her so that's why she wouldn't cause any trouble for him what like that doesn't doesn't make any sense sense. so harvey dragged her from the chair in the living room to the hallway floor and he just left her there while he went to get a drink of water in the kitchen okay when he came back he found that she was bleeding from one of her nostrils oh wow that's crazy how'd that happen yeah i bet you didn't hit her you fucking asshole so he said he used an old pillowcase to hold against her nose until it stopped bleeding. Oh, yeah, because he's such a kind, thoughtful soul. Now, once she was cleaned up, he stripped her of her clothing. And he said that 
Um, he said that Judy seemed to be partially enjoying it. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he raped Judy twice in his apartment, mm -hmm. stopping occasionally to take more photographs of her during the whole thing. When he was done, he made her go to the bathroom and get dressed. When she returned from the bathroom, he sat on the couch with her for hours and what? talked to her. Yep. Like she said, he said, Judy, um, like he was asking her what she was going to tell her roommates when they got home, whether or not she was going to go to the police. Judy was trying to convince him she wouldn't go to the police. She wouldn't say anything. He said they watched TV for like two hours. And that's probably when she said, I have a custody battle going exactly. on. I'm not going to give you any trouble. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to go to the police. I'm not going to go to the police. I don't want to be involved Not like, yeah, totally. Go ahead and have your way with me. Exactly. But Fucking he's a piece idiot. of shit. Now, he said he really struggled with himself over what to do next. Oh, I bet. But, and he said he didn't want to go to, he didn't want to kill her, but she knew, he knew she would go to the police. And that she knew where he lived now, so he was like, I would go back to prison, I gotta kill her. Yeah. So at about 10.30 p.m., Harvey told Judy he was going to drive her out to the sticks, and he said, I'll leave you out there with enough fare, bus fare to get home. But if you try anything along the way, I'm going to kill you. And she probably thought that that was yeah. true because he just sat with her for hours. Exactly. She's she's thinking, I'm going to get in the car and this is fine. Now, once he'd gotten her into the car, he drove south for nearly 100 miles. Oh, my God. Before turning onto a road that led into the desert near Indio. That's like two hours. Yes. He said he told her he wanted to have sex with her once more. What he meant no. was, I want to rape you once more. I was going to say, you didn't have sex. Before he lets her go. And he said he told Judy, so he took a blanket from the trunk of the car, brought her to a darker spot in the distance in the desert. He spread the blanket out on the ground, and he said after he got her settled on the ground, he tied the rope around her ankles, then around her neck, and used his body weight to strangle her. Oh holding tight to the rope for about five or ten minutes until he was certain she was dead. So he garroted her. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. fucking brutal. Now, Harvey said he sat with Judy's body for a long time as he processed what he had just done. And he said, for an instant, I wanted to undo what I'd just done. I lifted her head up and called out her name. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. He carried her body over to a patch of sand and then he just dug her a shallow grave and he dumped her body in there with all her belongings. He removed the ropes and he wiped whatever he had touched clean because mm -hmm. he had looked up how to do this shit. Mm -hmm. He also kept one of her shoes as a trophy. Weird. And once he'd finished covering her body with sand, he went to his car and drove 100 miles home. Ew. Now, for him to sit there and say, like, I had this moment where I just called out her name and I wanted to undo what I did. Why'd you keep her shoe? Yeah. No. Why'd you keep her shoe? No. Can you tell me why you kept her shoe then? Right. Like you, if you if you remorse? wouldn't want to remember this and you feel bad yeah. about it, but you kept why her would shoe? you need that shoe to look back on? Okay, my guy. Does he always keep a shoe? Is that his? No, thing that's or, Jeffrey uh, Brudos. Uh, so you're okay. thinking of. We haven't covered him yet, but we'll get to him. He's the foot fetish slayer. Mind hunter. Yeah. So that night, Rudy Judy's roommates obviously began to worry. They yeah. never heard back from her. They gave her ex husband a call, and they gave him the phone number for Johnny Glenn. Unfortunately, when her ex-husband called the number, it turned out to be the number of a local machine shop. Oh, so no. panic immediately set in. Her ex-husband spent the entire evening wandering up and down the Sunset Strip, checking everywhere for her. 
And when he checked everywhere he could think of, he called the police and reported her missing. And how sad is that, too, that, like, obviously they loved each other at one point, you know? Yeah, I mean, they had a baby. He had some love left for her to be able to go out and look for her. And they're going through this awful time where they're, like, aggressively going through this custody battle. And I'm sure he's sitting there being like, fuck, like, you know? Like, it wasn't, was that worth it? Yeah. That's sad. So... The missing persons bulletin went out on Judy the next day and it gave a description of Johnny Glenn and it asked for anyone with information to contact them as soon as they could. On August 3rd, the news of the disappearance made the papers and her roommates talked to reporters and they said that they believed that she had met with foul play. They did not believe she had run away. No. Uh, They said they knew something was wrong with the photographer when he told her, quote, he wanted to shoot pinup pictures, yet he told her to bring a selection of street outfits. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense. And they're sense. all models. So like they the, know. And actresses, they know. And they were like, this was weird. No one knew who this Johnny Glenn was or where Judy could be. They talked to friends, family, anybody, associates. Detectives even briefly considered her ex-husband, obviously. Yeah. But he was at work when she disappeared and, like, clearly was grief-stricken. Right. They wondered, of course, if she ran away and thought maybe she was concocting this fake kidnapping story to garner sympathy for the custody hearing. Mm-hmm. But then she missed the hearing the following week. Yeah, she wouldn't have done that. So they that. abandoned that. Um, so they ran out of people to talk to her, any ideas of where she could go. They just assumed she was dead and essentially stopped looking for her. What? They were like, there's more pressing matters at hand. Oh, not a crazed serial killer on the loose. Like, like okay. Girl just missing somewhere. Yeah. Like, she could still be alive. Yeah. And you're just going to give up on her? Cool. Just gave up. Oh, being a woman in this now, country. Yeah. Five months anywhere. later, she would be found, but not identified right away. Um, a ranch hand was walking his dog in the desert near Thousand Palms and came upon her, like, buried skeleton. I was going to say, you said five months? Yeah, like she was a skeletal <sighs> yeah, at that yeah. point. He contacted the sheriff's department, and ac- after some excavation, they found her skeleton. Uh, she was later identified as Judy Dull. Um, in the grave, they also found one shoe, a mm-hmm. fountain pen, a 10-carat gold ring on her left finger. I'm surprised you didn't take I that. I know. 10 carats. Yeah. Wow. And an autopsy was conducted, and uh, they really couldn't tell a lot from it because they were just bones, and at that point... They're not going to be able to tell anything, especially at this time. This is the 50s, right? She went unidentified for about a year. Wow. She just laid as bones, unidentified bones. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Now, following that, the murder of Judy Dull, Harvey definitely gained confidence because... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the first time he's killed and then yeah, he's completely he got away, away with it. it. So, and he had also landed a full-time job at a TV repair shop in Hollywood that paid like twice minimum wage. So he's feeling like good. And unfortunately, his personality got in the way of that job because he was fired three months after the job started. We love to hear it. But now he's broke. He's out of prospects. But again, he got away with murder. So he's feeling like he can at least do one thing. In February of 1958, he headed back to Denver to visit his mom. Um, and no one really knows what happened in Denver, but 
he like didn't get a job. He didn't have any money, but he was able to return to Los Angeles pretty quickly after and rent a bungalow just wow. around the corner from his old apartment with no stable income or job. Maybe he had saved up money from that place that paid double the yeah, wage. Yeah, or Ophelia just gave him a shit ton of money. Yeah. But did she, did she even have a shit ton to give him? I don't even know. Well, but maybe his father's life insurance. Maybe. There you go. But so he loses his job. He goes to visit his mom. He spends some time there. He comes back. He rents a brand new bungalow. And now at this point, he's gotten away with murder. Mm-hmm. And he's For still getting away with murder. Yeah, it's been like a long time. He's emboldened now because he's like, well, shit, they found her and they still don't even know it's her. Right. And at that point, you're nearing a year. Mm-hmm. So by March, he'd begun hunting for a new victim. He assumed police were going to be looking for the photographer and models thing. So he was like, you know what? I got to change that up. Mm-hmm. So instead, he turned to the Patty Sullivan Lonely Hearts Club. Oh, after paying the $10 admission fee, which is a big mission fee back then. Oh, yeah. Harvey res- registered as George Williams, who he said was a plumber from Pasadena. No, he wasn't. Um, Yeah. He changed the means of getting the woman, but he was going to keep the rest of it pretty much the same as before. Um, He would arrange the meeting with the woman, see if she met his standards. And if so, he was going to bring her out to the desert and do exactly what he had done to Judy Dahl. Now, the first date he went on was, according to him, a disappointment because the woman just talked the entire time and she had a dominating personality that really turned him off. Oh, he would have hated us. I said that. I was like, all right. Like, he would have hated us. I talk so much. The Harveys of the world shit their pants at a dominating woman. But the second date he went on, he said, was what he was looking for. And this was with Shirley Ann Bridgeford. And it was very different for Harvey. Shirley was only 24 years old, but she'd done a lot of living. She, by 1958, at 24, she'd already been married and divorced for three years. Wow. And when she met Harvey, she was struggling to get by and support her two sons. And their names were Ricky and Billy. Oh my gosh, so cute. Now, Shirley was just out here hoping that she paid $10, which was a fucking lot for anybody, but especially a single mom. Yeah, just looking for love. She was hoping she could find someone that would help her raise her sons. Yeah. Like she was like looking for a good man. A father figure. To just be in her son's life. That's all she was out here looking for. Like, what the fuck? That's so sad. Shirley hadn't, apparently, according to Harvey, Shirley, Shirley had said she hadn't received much attention from men at the Lonely Hearts Club. She's beautiful. So, so probably not true. Either men are fake as fuck out here or... I mean, <laughs> I would put money or on Or Harvey's that. lying, which either one. I'd put money on both those bets. So she was very excited. On March 7th, she got a call from George Williams asking if she would be interested in joining him for square dancing that evening. Oh. So she agreed and she was all excited. He was going to pick her up at 7.45 p.m. Um, but she had never met him or seen him. So she had her children, her mother, and two sisters be at her house when he came to pick her up. Okay. So he saw her entire family. And still did And still did terrible. something. And they all said there didn't seem to be anything really, like, strange or off about him. I mean, he's not... He's ugly as fuck, but it's like he's not somebody you would look at and be like, I bet he's a demon. Like, it's no. just not. And he's ugly as fuck because we hate him. Exactly. He's like a pretty normal looking But when dude. you look at him and like, you know, by those standards, it's like whatever. You wouldn't, you wouldn't bat an eye at like no. who he is. No. Now, the thing is, no one seemed to remember the description of Johnny Glenn 
that had been up months earlier mm. because the police had just given up on it. Right. They hadn't been pumping it out to people, so everyone forgot about it. Well, so this isn't Johnny Glenn. This is George Williams. Exactly. And he was essentially able to go under the radar because he's got that face. He's got those fucking hormone glasses, those huge ears. Like, everything just described to a T who he is, Johnny Glenn. Mm -hmm. But because the police stopped putting that out there, people forgot. And, I mean, and how often for it. back then were people, like, obviously people were using fake names a ton back then. Yeah. But who knew? You would never think it. So they went out, they set off, and Harvey asked Shirley if she would mind if they changed plans for the evening. Uh, if a man says, do you mind if we change plans for the evening, say yes. Yep, I do I mind. I do mind. Take me home, please. Yep. The end. And then punch him in the face. Take me square dancing or take me nowhere. Yep, square dancing or bust. That's it. But it seems to be that when a change of plans comes in, it's like, ah, ah, ah. Not if you don't know good. that man, say, no, 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 no. Plans. Yeah. We had plans. So he said he wanted to take a drive along the coast instead of square dancing. No. Which, of course, that's going to be so appealing to her. She's looking for romance. romance. She's just looking for and a nice And he knows night. that piece of shit. And the two stopped at a cafe in Oceanside. They talked. They ate dinner together. Bold of him to bring her to a cafe before Oh, yeah. This. Then they got back in the car. And they just kind of drove around. And again, we only have his version of the story here, unfortunately. Uh, he claims they drove around aimlessly for a little while and that he was wrestling with whether or not he wanted to go through with this because he said she wasn't a pinup model like the others. So maybe she didn't deserve it. What? Get so fucked. Like, what my kind guy. of standard is that? Get so fucked. If you're a pinup model, you should be killed. But, uh,. Maybe not alone. No, you know what? No, yeah, yeah we're just going to go with it. Okay. Now, eventually, he pulled the car off to the side of a dark mountain road. He said they spent some time, like, kissing and talking. And then Shirley was like, I don't want to go any further. Yeah. By the way. Because she has a fucking right to say that. 100%. And according to Harvey, he kept trying to persuade her to have sex with him. Like, Because stop. he's a disgusting little rat boy. And before... then. So he's pushing her, pushing her. Then he takes the gun out and he tells her, get in the backseat. Oh, my God. She apparently fought him for a minute, but the gun scared her. So she ended up crawling into the backseat because what else is she going to fucking do? Yeah, and it's not every day you have a gun in your face. He crawled back there and he raped Shirley. It's fucking gross. After he had raped her, he realized there was nothing else he could do. He was going to have to kill her. And he said it was for his own safety. What? Because we care about your safety, you little shit's name. Wow. Just past 10 o'clock, Harvey began driving towards San Diego, and he told Shirley the same exact thing that he told all the other women. He said he was going to let her go in a remote location, he was going to give her bus fare, but that she had to keep her mouth shut. So he pulled into Anza Barango Desert State Park in Borrego Springs, excuse me, and he found a dark spot to pull over. He made her get out of the car, he got a blanket, he got the rope from the trunk, they began walking for a dark spot to put the blanket out. Now, he confessed later to all this, and in the confession, he said he'd already decided in the car that he was going to kill Shirley the same way he killed Judy. Wow. Um, once he found the place, he put the blanket down. He made her undress so he could take photos of her. He's such a dick. After taking photos of Shirley nude, he then went, without warning, wrapped the rope around her ankles, and he said pulled it so as to bend her knees, put his knee at the small of her back, looped the rope twice around her neck and pulled as hard as he could oh for five minutes or so until there did not seem to be any sign of life. That is a slow, agonizing, agonizing. death. It's horrific. He's a horrific human being. It was almost dawn 
by the time he stopped taking pictures of her. What? By the, the way, fuck of her dead body. He is an, on another level. Yeah. He then dragged her off and under a nearby cactus because he later told police he felt she should be under something. Oh, shut the a fuck cactus? up. Shut the fuck up, you piece of garbage. Sitting there being like, I feel like she should be covered with... I feel like she should be alive and with her kids, you piece of shit. Exactly. That's what I feel like. And under a cactus, like, that's going to provide some kind what of... an asshole. Any, any comfort. And then as he's sitting here being like, I feel like she should be under something because I care. Oh, really? Why did you take her underwear and strips of cloth from the bottom of her dress as souvenirs? Fucking filthy You contradicting animal. motherfucker. Yeah. Like, get out of here. So then he gathered everything of hers, including her purse, and he went to his car. He drove home, and as he drove home, he threw the contents of her purse out the window as he drove wow. along the highway. Oh, but he kept 30 cents. What? From her purse. Okay. Yeah. Of course, Shirley's pa family panicked. Yeah. When she didn't come home, they called the police to report her missing. And unfortunately, because he had called himself George Williams and given a fake address and phone number, and this is the 50s, they could not find him. And how sad is that that they looked him in the face? Looked him in the fucking face like and he said, met him. I'll have her home by this time. Hours before. Looked at her kids and said bye. This like, man looked at her kids level of and took their mother out of that fucking house to Just do that to her. Like, wow. Like, you are on another level. Not many cases where that happens. Where they look those kids in the face only to take their mother And her mother and sisters, you and said? And her mother. Like, wow. Looked her mother, her sister, and her kids in the fucking face and then took her out of like that house. Like, multiple generations connected to yeah. this woman. And was like, I'm going to destroy your life tonight. That's so funny. Like that probably, honestly, that probably added to it for him. Truly. It probably did. He's such a... And I hate that he's one of those... I hate those ones that sit there later and are like, I, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I wrestled with it. I, You know, I just... I grabbed her face and I yelled her and I wanted her to get up. I put her under something because I wanted her to be covered. Shut the fuck up. No, it's like you wouldn't have killed them Shut if you didn't want that. Shut the fuck up. Like, no one wants to hear you cry about it now. Fuck off. Exactly. Like, they're the same ones that will sit there in a courtroom and look at the family and be like, I'm so sorry. Get fucked. No one cares you're that you're sorry. sorry. If you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it. I'm sorry I didn't buy those pair of shoes that now I can't find anywhere. That's what you can be sorry about. Exactly. You're not sorry that you fucking took someone's mother, daughter, and sister, and friend after away from them. After looking them in the fucking face. At them. In the most horrific and degrading way, no. too. You raped. You took you photos her. of her. You, like, you're disgust. You, for five minutes, you choke the life out of these women. You're disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And that's the other thing. It's like, you, you sit there and you're like, uh, you know, I didn't want to do it. I wrestled with it. Fuck off. No, you you sat there for five to ten minutes holding onto that rope. Yeah. For that entire time, you had all ample time it's, to stop. Yeah. Like, all the time in the world. That's so fucked. And it's like, this isn't like 2023. It's like... These women, if they say they're not going to fucking tell anybody about your face, they're probably not going to. There's no internet. There's no. nothing. What are they going to do? And they don't know your name. Exactly. You and gave she, a fake name. She didn't even know where you lived. You exactly. picked her up. Like, forget what I look like. They will forget what you look like. You're such a piece of shit. It makes me really angry. So Detective Dave Ostroff, who'd been assigned to the Judy Dull kidnapping, actually thought the the descriptions that the family had, they were kind of vague of what he looked like because obviously they weren't thinking they had to take every bit of his face into account when they yeah. saw him. 
he thought they kind of did match Johnny Glenn, but that's kind of all they had. Okay. So he was like, this might be the same guy, or but I don't know who not. this guy is. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. So the case went cold pretty quickly. Ugh. Now, by April of 1958, he was still unemployed. He's living off of Ophelia, sending his, him money on a regular basis. It's funny that he's living off of a woman and acting this way towards women. Yes. But I'm glad that one is keeping you afloat, you fucking loser. Yeah. Like, real cool. Now, as part of his plan to stay out of jail and undetected, undetected, he had actually built a small dark room in his apartment. And he would develop the photos that he takes of these victims, including Judy Dahl and Shirley Bridgeford, both before, during, and after their deaths. That's so messed up. And he kept the photos in a medium-sized metal toolbox. And the and in that toolbox, he also had Judy's shoe, Shirley's underwear, anything he took from them. So he's really remorseful. Yeah, you know, he really totally. wrestles with this. Yeah, definitely. Now by July of that year, he felt like enough time had passed. The heat was off. No one was on him. Like no one was even close to talking to him about it. So he's like, I can hunt again because the police gave up again. So why not? Like, come on, LAPD. But this time he figured he would go back to his other method of doing the photo shoot thing. So he went through local papers and he came across an advertisement for a model by the name of Angela Rojas, who was available immediately for modeling work. So he called the number and he found out that Angela was a pseudonym used by Ruth Mercado. She was a 24-year-old model who just arrived in Los Angeles from Plattsburgh, New York, five years earlier. Mm-hmm. She was a badass. She had served in the Women's Air Force during the Korean War and was wow. honorably discharged. And after she was discharged, she went straight to Hollywood for dreams of, like, stardom. Good for her. She had done the badass thing, and now she's like, I'm in all my dreams. Yeah, Why not? let's do it. Unfortunately, when things weren't really working out for her and she was not being discovered, she turned to modeling as a way of making money while still staying kind of a little bit in the entertainment agent industry, you know, but she was doing the detective magazine kind of thing, the yeah, pinup thing. keeping afloat. She was also working to supplement that income at a strip club, so she was doing stripping just to make money, to get yeah. to pay her rent, yeah. feed her herself. When Harvey called, he said his name was Frank and that he was a magazine photographer and he was looking for new talent. So she was actually very eager to get some work and exposure, so she said, of course, she'd love to meet him. She gave him the address of her apartment, and he was going to stop by later that evening. So he did. But when Ruth opened the door, he was like, what's wrong? And she was like, I'm so sorry. I meant to call you. I'm not feeling well. Oh. She said she didn't have his number, and he was, like, frustrated. And angry. Yeah. Um, Harvey thought she was lying about being sick, and he was like, I know exactly what it is. He was like, she saw me and, and saw what I looked like and decided not to let me in. That was his. Oh, it's about you. Yeah, it's about I you. I forgot that the world revolves yeah. around Harvey. Yep. He said, it's fine. We'll take a rain check. And he left. Oh. But he said he had the gun in his pocket and he almost pulled it out, but he didn't. Like what? So he said he went home and the more he thought about it, the angrier he got and the more incel his vibe became mm, and the real. more it was now her fault. How dare her? How dare and she have a cold? He said he started thinking about, oh. She's not even really an actress or a model. She's a fucking stripper. And she thinks she's above me. Like, he started pulling that. Like, incel Yes, exactly. And so she's below him because she's a stripper. 
It's like, sweetie. How dare she turn him down? Literally not even, like, nothing is below you. So he decided to just show up at her apartment unannounced. Oh, my God. And on July 23rd, which was a Wednesday, he just showed up unannounced. And she was, like, shocked. And was like, what the fuck? But she was like, I am feeling better. So, yeah, let's do a photo shoot. Yeah. She was like, I'm not, like, I was sick. I didn't think I I was below you or above you. I'm just literally sick. Yeah. So she left Harvey in her living room to put her dog in the bathroom so that the dog wouldn't flip out. Oh, no. And when she returned to the living room, she found Harvey with a gun in his hand and he directed her to her bedroom. Oh, my God. Then he bound and gagged her to her bed or on her bed. And then he went back out into the main section of the apartment. He said he made sure all the doors were locked so that he wouldn't be interrupted. Made sure the dog was still in the bathroom. And she must have been panicking this whole time. Yep. And then he went back in the bedroom and he told her he wanted to have sex with her, which I love that, like, that's the how he's saying, I want to have sex with you. You want to rape her. Yeah, like, like, let's that's be clear. not my guy. You're not having sex with her. Sex is You're consensual. raping her. So just say it. Right. Say what you want to do. And he said he was going to untie her but he warned her not to do anything foolish or he would hurt her. So Harvey, this is awful. Harvey raped Ruth for a minimum of four or five times over the course of the next few hours. Four or five times. Oh, my God. In in hours. In hours. And when he was done, he said, again, he was wrestling with what to do. Totally. He just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And he later said, quote, I didn't want to kill her. She was the one that I really liked. But that's bullshit because, like, he you kills clearly her. clearly didn't. And it's like, you're sitting here saying you're constantly like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Oh, what man. do I do? But every single time you end up killing somebody. So you clearly aren't struggling with it no, that You're much. not struggling, my Because guy. 10 out of 10 times you've, you've come to that ultimate conclusion. So. Yeah. No. 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 But he told her he wanted to, quote, take her on a picnic. Then he yeah. loaded her into his black Dodge just after midnight. And began to drive southeast from Los Angeles towards the desert in San Diego. They spent nearly, like, they spent the entire day in the desert. He was just raping her and taking photographs of her for, like, hours. He later would say that this was them making love. That's so foul. Yeah. That is, like, beyond foul. Foul is the perfect way to describe that. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, bro? And it wasn't until 9 p.m. that he went to the car, got the ropes, directed her to walk until they found a spot. she spent, like, almost 48 hours with him. Being tortured by him. Wow. And he removed her clothing and took more photographs. Then he killed her using the exact same method that he had used on Judy Dull and Shirley Bridgeford. And when and that's the other thing. If you're slowly garroting someone to death, then you're not wrestling with this. You're not struggling yeah. with the act of murder. It would if you shot her, I would that's maybe, maybe that. I would think that you wrestled for a second, but you have so much time to change this. And it's this. so personal. So personal, so agonizing, so horrific. And you're taking pictures of the mm-hmm. entire thing before, during, oh, yeah. and after. It's like, no. No. You're not struggling with shit. This no. is what you like to do. This exactly. is what you get off doing. Like, exactly. Be fucking honest about it if you're that gross. Yeah, don't be a dick. What Ugh. the fuck? So after he was convinced that she had died, he rolled her body off the blanket and covered her with some brush he basically didn't try to hide her. Like, just right out in the open. He went back to the car. He looked through her purse. He stole her watch and a few dollars she had. And then he drove back to Los Angeles and threw out all the rest of the stuff as he did in the highway. Wow. 
Now, her landlord was actually the first person to notice that she had gone missing because he saw the uh, mail piling up on her Mm -hmm. door. So he actually wrote a letter to her mother thinking like maybe she had gone back to New York. And when he wrote the letter to her mother, her mother contacted the LAPD to do the report of her being missing. That's so sad. And just like Judy and Shirley, Ruth's missing person case was given complete low priority. They didn't care. They had no information. So they were like, ah, she probably ran off and didn't tell anybody. Yeah, because people just do that all the time. It's like, I don't think so, my guys. And in fact, two months passed before her photo appeared in the LAPD police bulletin. That's a fucking shame and a half. And on, on that photo were the notes, may seek employment at nude modeling or as a stripper and mental condition poor. What about her mental condition was poor? Wow, LAPD. Like, there's wow. nothing to say that her mental condition is yep. poor. What? So it is um, that up. very fortunate that the next victim actually is the one that cracks this case because the police sure as fuck weren't going to do it. Oh, so LAPD. let's hear it for Lorraine Vigil, who we're going to talk about in part two. Oh, I had a feeling you were going to do that. Because her, she's, her story is wild. And honestly, I think we all need a, a little... Yeah, like, I think everybody go watch Bravo right now. Yeah. Take a shower, wash that all off. You know, like watch something spooky. Spooky always makes me feel good. Yeah, paint your nails. Paint your nails. Call a friend. You know, have some tea. I'm watching Summer House tonight. Oh, there you Summer go. Summer House premieres tonight. Ooh, I'm excited. There you go. Danielle and Lindsay aren't friends. What, I, what happened? You know, I always knew. I, honestly, I always knew. Yeah, um, you probably did. Like, I, I believe you. I literally did. I literally did. Literally, I did. So, guys, we hope that you keep listening. Yeah. And we hope you keep it weird. But not as weird as this motherfucking incel. Because Harvey sucks. Bye. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.